Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to the Biology Report for this week. Uh, after all the words have been said and written about, finally we are here at the first test match, Australia versus India in Adelaide. And uh, we're looking for the Aussies to keep their unbelievable home record intact, but India, who are ranked number one in the world in test match cricket, can they win their maiden series here in Australia? Um, and I think that's a little text message from my uh, co-host there, Bradley Hodge. Um, hey, mate, now my pod... G'day, but also my podcast spies tell me that you might have been podcast unfaithful during the week. What does that mean? <laughs> no, he's spot on for him, and probably this is the first time we're going to test this out in the summer where we're not in, actually in the same place. So for our listeners, cue in. Um, Look, I was forced, I'll say I was forced to jump on, you could say beforehand it was our opposition, but now the great cricketers. Great cricketers? Yes, the great cricketers. And look, initially I said to them, thanks for the offer, but I'm better than a great cricketer. I'm test, you know, I'm test, I'm one day internationals and T20s. And look, they've joined Channel 7 um, to do some type of digital show, I believe. Oh, right. And so, like, I said to these people at Channel 7, are you serious? Like, I'm unemployed. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn every day searching for employment. And here you go and, and you know, get these average Joes from Sydney to come down and steal our thunder. So, Was there no, no mention of the biology report going on the TV? Well, well, that was that was that was part of the you know part of the deal. And look, basically, I actually turned back the clock of Australian cricket, and I, I sort of felt that the nice guy attitude was you know going too far. So I basically just said to these dudes, "Listen here, you can have this space for the moment, but me and Flem are hunting you down, and we're going to take every glory that you can possibly see for the next year." So. Enjoy your time at the moment. Is when when sort of Justin Langer just said to Chris Rogers, "You just warm in the seat for me." Yeah. Remember that that one you know, test so that Bucky played early on. Correct. So I said to these dudes, "Hey, you are just warm in the seat. So I'll do this for you, but you know I'm uncomfortable about it because I'm loyal to Flem. Yes. And uh, you know I'm going to have to go to church and say ten Hail Marys and a few Our Fathers for cheating on Flem. 
But yeah. I was forced to do it. I, and uh, reluctantly, I had to through uh, my only form of employment. That's Channel 7. Yeah, well, I, if we're going to go to church, I'm going to have to um, confess my sins. I, I did the grade cricketer last summer. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, look, uh, look, best of luck to them. We have to promote them, I no, guess. they're going they're, well. They're yeah. going very well. The, Yes, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll overtake them and uh, put them back to where they deserve in great cricketers. I mean, let's be honest, we're test cricketers, so we're, we're, we're up there with the A-graders. Good lead in there, mate, test cricket. It's happening, things you need to know this week, and it's starting Adelaide Thursday. It's back to a day test match in Adelaide, so no doubt all the members out the back will appreciate that. Um, but also probably the batsmen with uh, probably less movement there. But uh, what's your reading um, of the Australian batting lineup of of the seven batters picked? Who who is going to miss out? Or what would be your top six? And if it's different from what you expect the top six to be? Well, the word on the street is that um, you know Peter Hanscom might be the unlucky one to miss out. Mm. And uh, and you know the word on the streets is Finch is going to open with Marcus Harris and Kawaja at three, uh, Travis Head or Sean Marsh four or five, Mitchell Marsh six, uh, Tim Payne at seven, and then uh, and then our fiery quicks and Nathan Lyon. I uh, look. You Are know you happy with that? This. Look, it's the best we can possibly do at the moment. I actually think Peter Hanscom's in pretty good form, and he's and he's done well to to get some form under the belt. You know, I'm still a big believer in having two traditional openers open the batting in Test match cricket. Uh, I, th- I think that they're going to go with Finch because of his form in the UAE, but we know the conditions are co- completely different. And uh, that was, you know, people being told about horses for courses type selection. I think that was one where Finchie was just sort of filling in as a stopgap opener. I hope he does well, I mean, as a mate and as a Victorian, but I think it's just going to be a difficult challenge for him. I'd love to see him, and he's probably earned the right to bat at four or five uh, in the middle order, but it's it's not going to happen. Uh, unfortunately, those who are under pressure didn't quite take their opportunities. I no. guess Joe Burns was the only one that sort of half, you know, got a couple of 70s and, and some runs, but yeah, the other one was Renshaw, failed to make any impact. So, you know, fair call. Um, I think that's the best we can possibly put out there at the moment. And uh, it's going to have to make us 350-plus runs every first innings of a test match. So the little bastard will debut. That's the way he's referred to by Justin Langer, his little brother, <laughs> the little bastard. They played together at Scarborough. But I think Marcus Harris, um, you know, he's due. You know, it's it's... It's his third year of averaging above 40. Uh, he scores very well square of the wicket. Um, he's opened all his life. So, yeah, I think he is ready, and I, I expect yep. him to, to go well. I, I expect him to do really well, and he's actually earned his his call. Um, exactly what you said, statistically he's done well. I don't sort of buy into Justin Langer's brotherly love because when I was playing for the Renegades last year, and Marcus Harris was informing me about how the West was won. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think they were having uh, Christmas together last year. Hopefully, they're going to have Christmas together this year. So the good thing is, time heals all wounds. And uh, yeah, he's done well. He's come across from from Western Australia. Things didn't turn out well there. He's found a, a place in Victoria. Opened the batting on you know a pretty tough wicket, the MCG. When you open the batting, it's a great place to bat it four, five, and six because it's flat as hell. 
but traditionally, you know, um, he's done well. And uh, I, I think he'll actually do well. I think the nerves will be apart. But what a good place to play your first test in Adelaide. Oh, definitely there. Um, the, only, the only slide option we had was is to play Hanscom and Mitchell, Mitchell Marsh misses out. Just, just looking at Mitchell Marsh, um, you know, he scored a couple of hundreds last year in Australia, so he obviously bats better here at home. But in his last 11 tests, he's bowled 109 overs and only taken six wickets. But my gut feel is they, they always just want that luxury of, of, of having five to ten overs and innings from him. But, um, you know, who's going to make more runs, Mitchell Marsh or Hanscom? Well, Peter Hanscom over probably, if you, if you put 20 tests together, Peter Hanscom as a traditional batsman, even though he's a wicketkeeper batsman, I guess, but uh, he'll probably make more over the course of 20 tests. Mitchell Marsh is he's one of those frustrations for a lot of Australian cricketers and the public where you, know, you see these great performances, sort of spasmodic performances, and then you just see a run of dismissals which you just go, how does that happen? And uh, it's frustrating because our expectations are very high and, um, you know, we expect our top six anyway to be averaging in the top 40s, you know, close to 50, if not above 50. And they're our high expectations. But unfortunately, around the traps around the country at the moment, we the bar isn't pushed that high because these guys just start getting challenged from others. But uh, look, uh, he, this is a big series for him. I, I'm not sure how how much longer they can keep persisting with him. He's obviously got some talent, some pedigree, but frustration as it is, it keeps coming to the top. Oh, definitely there. Now, what about the, the, the Indians? Uh, Privy, 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 sure, um, yeah. is obviously out of the first test match. You know, the 19-year-old um, getting compared to Sachin Tendulkar. Um, how big a loss will it be him not opening the batting? Well, I think it's a big loss. Um, I think I'm not sure what's happened, but I think now that he's injured, who's going to fill that void? I'm not sure who's actually going to fill that void. I guess it opens the door for uh, Rohit Sharma at number six. But if I was the uh, Indian management, I would have just said to um, Shikadawa after the T20 series, look, Shaw's just been injured. How about you hold here for a little bit and you can open the batting with Murali Vijay in Adelaide? I think that would have been a pretty dynamic combination. But... For me, he's a big loss. Uh, you know, I, the one thing you're nervous about is uh, a young Indian batsman coming over here and facing the extra bounce and facing, you know, coming Stark and Hazelwood. But from all reports, he was uh, well equipped to deal with that and and showed really good signs off the back foot. He's a confident little player. Um, I think he'll be lost, but I think they've got pretty ample replacements as well. Well, you talked about Murali VJ. He averaged 60 out here four years ago. Uh, but the worrying sign, and, and I agree, I would have kept Darwin just because of the form he showed. And his question marks are with the short ball, but he dealt with it really well in those T20 games. I know you can you can get more of a barrage in, in red ball cricket, but geez, he looked good. But I think the questions for, for India's batting... Uh, that some of the names that we've known over the years haven't had big 2018s. So Rahane, Pujara, Vijay have all been dropped at some stage this year. So their reputations are quite strong. 
Um, and also you chuck in Rohit Sharma, who's never really got going in test match cricket, particularly outside Australia. This is the opportunity for the Aussies with this dominant pace attack with Nathan Lyon, isn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. But I think the one thing about the Indian test lineup is that they they know that they can't be complacent either because if you average in 40, it's actually not good enough. They've got that much talent behind them in waiting yeah. that they can be replaced where we haven't got that luxury. The only thing about Shikha Darwin and as, a, as an opening fast bowler, Flem, I'll ask you this question, that if you've got a brand new ball, you know, are you wanting to bag it in short to your two opening batsmen? Or you wanted to pitch it up and try and exploit them to the slips. Bogs, your first point of call is to, to get them nicking or, or LB or bold through the gate with a vertical bat. So you only actually go to the short ball barrage once the batsman's set. Right, so that means they're on top, I guess. Yes, the bat, batsmen are on top. So you want to start getting them playing horizontal shots. You know, to, to test out one, whether the bouncer can be a weapon on, on the type of pitch. You know, day one yeah. might be a little bit slow. Um, we're hearing that, uh, Damien Hoff, the, the curator at Adelaide's going to keep a lot of grass on as if it was a day night test match, but we're hearing underneath it's quite dry. So, um, you know, and it's going to be 37 degrees day one. So that's going to take a lot yeah. of the life out of the pitch, isn't it? So. That could be good leading into the poll question you did was, was Ashwin versus Lyon, who's going to have the most impact? What, what was the feedback on social media there? Well, to be honest, I'm sorry, but this is my first poll question. I actually haven't even checked. So I'll have to scroll through and have a look uh, at the results. Early on, it looked like uh, Nathan Lyon was getting a lot of love out there, but I don't know with the time zone. Uh, whether your Indian social media media followers had got yeah. on uh, Ashwin's back. No, well, it actually says that Nathan Lyon's going to 68% compared to 32% for Ashwin, which I find that very interesting, to be honest. Um, I guess Nathan Lyon's had some real success over there in, uh, in Adelaide, but also did well when there was nothing happening there last year as well. And uh, Ashwin is still a question mark about whether he can come to Australia and, and perform as a high-profile spinner. I think he can. I think he's an outstanding uh, bowler. And if India get plenty of runs on their board, then Australia is going to be in trouble for sure. Yeah, it's interesting. Pajara, the number three for, for India, was, was chatting a bit about his game. And, you know, he, he's, he's very important for India because he can bat time. He doesn't get flustered. He's happy to bat all day. I thought he was okay out here four years ago. He got dropped. You know, he was getting a lot of scores, you know, in the 30s to, to 50 range there. But he, he talking about, um, he was talking about Ashwin that, you know, he's a better bowler than four years ago and, and county cricket actually helped him where he, he decided to bowl more over the top and start to work with drift because we know in Australia, it doesn't, it doesn't actually have too much spin. So Nathan Lyons wins has been, Obviously, bowling over the top, getting top spin, uh, getting drift, and using the angles. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you might also see him uh, bowl a few leg spinners out here this year as well. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's a little secret weapon. Well, I was going to ask you that because you were captain of his IPL team. 
Well, coach, coach if I was I mean. captain, I would uh, probably still be there. But unfortunately, I got the sack from no. being coach. But <laughs> no, we got that on LinkedIn. But because um, he was bowling a lot of leg spinners in the IPL, wasn't he? Had, had, was he confident with them? He was amazing, actually. I think the one thing that he did is that he, he did feel comfortable bowling his orthodox off spinners and also his uh, his, his dusra or the carom ball, the flick off the finger. But he, on the bigger grounds, he bowled leg spin and was unbelievably skilled at doing so. And he trained for about a year, which is, you know, credit to him that he's just, you know, adapted to the time. He, he had a year off T20 cricket. He didn't play for Pune in the second year. Um, adapted his game to try and fit into T20 cricket. Bowled these leg spinners, you know, understanding That's amazing, that, yeah. Oh, it's, a, it's amazing, mate, because he realised that, you know, the top seven T20 bowlers are all leg spinners. You know, the Rashid Khan, Imran Tahir, uh, the couple of Pakistani guys. So he, he just adapted his game, which is an incredible skill to be able to do. And um, when he first showed up and said, oh, Hodgie, I'm going to bowl leg spin, <laughs> I, said, I said, mate, are you serious? He goes, yeah, yeah oh, I've been practising. I said, he bowled, um, he played about five uh, one-day games and bowled leg spin and, and had really good figures. I said, mate, do it. Go for it. Do whatever you want. If you've got confidence in doing it, then it's, you know, adds an extra bow to your armoury. So it was this incredible skill. No, I remember I was commentating that, and just the way he landed and was 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 amazing. So, uh, and 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 back to the just to finish with the batting, um, you know, with King Kohli for for India, he's the big wicket. Um, they've talked about Josh Hazelwood talked about a couple of different plans to him. Ricky Ponting, the legend himself, has has talked about um, maybe using floating slips. And also using boundary riders to actually frustrate uh, King Coley. Have you got any gut feel for a game plan against him? I've, I've no idea, actually. I, <laughs> I think that uh, you don't know what to do. And that's the same thing when you face against someone like Steve Smith, who, yeah, you know, if you average 60, they've, they've just got no, no weaknesses in their game. So unless you get him out early, you're in big trouble. This guy just commands authority at the crease. He'll he'll bury you when he needs to. And if we don't get early wickets with this new ball, I, I can't see us dislodging King Goli too often in this series. I think he'll just... He looks like he's got a great ambition out here this year. Um, he looks fired up. And I think you'll just see him bury himself at the crease for a long period of time and go, come on, Aussies, just try and get me out. Uh, I think Hazelwood's probably the best chance to try and get him out with a few balls from Cummings and Stark and so forth. But all in all, this guy's so well equipped with his technique that it's going to be tough for anyone. Yeah, ideally, I'd like to bowl to him in seaming conditions because that moves later than swing. But um, we know that Australia's not, not a big seeming venue. Um, there is a little bit of swing, but, um, you know, they're going to be up against it. But... You know, for Australia, you've got to remember that our batsmen are better in our conditions as well. Usman averages 59, Sean Marsh 44. So, you know, if they have big series and, and Harris comes through, um, you know, and, and, and obviously Finchie up the top can get runs. But what about with the pace attacks? Still feel that Australia's got, got the, uh, the hold over, over the Indians. And, and also, yeah. what, what three Indian quicks would you go with? Well, I definitely feel that uh, Indian, the Indian team has got more quicks to choose from. In the past, I think they've sort of been restricted to one or two. Now they've got a choice. Oh, look, I would actually 
disrupt their their true lineup. Oh, I'd be nearly I'd be nearly inclined to to bat Richard Pant at six, play Jadeja Ashwin seven, then go. Oh, I'd like to see yeah. Boomerah. I'd like to see Boomerah. Um, Boomerah. Uh, Mohamed Shami. Yep. And I'd also go Bhuvaneshwar Kumar. So we share the and pr- misses out. I'd probably leave out Ishad, yeah, but then you've got Umesh Yadav as well. So, unless. <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem, isn't it? So. Um, but it's one we don't normally associate with Indian cricket, is having one or two unlucky fast bowlers not getting a game. Yeah, see, if I was them, I'd, I'd probably pick a stronger bowling lineup that I would batting. So I'd put Bishop Pant seven, uh, six in, and leave out Rohit Sharma. And, and then you've got your opportunity to play your five bowlers. So that's your spinner in four quicks. And you'd be so, thinking, um, you'd be hoping Jadeja and Ashwin would, would, would average at least high 20s at seven and eight. Yeah, if yeah, not better. Yeah, you know, Ashwin's better, got yeah. a couple of hundreds and, and Jadu's just got a hundred of recent times. So, but they're actually seriously good batsmen. Um, you think that the problem is that when you do that, it lengthens their tail and with the likes of coming Stark and Hazelwood, yeah, you'd think that we'd be able to get through them pretty quickly. So, uh, that's the only issue. Yeah, Boovey's probably the only one that, that bats competently for those Indian quicks. Yeah, but in, in the flip side of that, if you had that attack, uh, you know, when our tail comes in, you know, you're not seeing 50s or 60s from coming Stark and, and Nathan Lyon. So, you know, Paney, I guess, we're not sure how he's going to go with a bat. Um, he's a pretty talented technical player. But um, if you... If you had a pace attack and you got through our top six and then you still had four quicks at a spinner, you'd like to think you could wrap them up pretty quickly as well. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to, to see who they leave out there. And maybe that, you know, we'll see what the pitch is like Thursday morning. Um, if it doesn't look like it'll, it'll swing too much, then maybe Boovey does miss out and they'll, they'll go with a shant who get, gets the extra pace there. But... Uh, but for the Australians, it's pretty much locked in, isn't it, really, with with the big three there. We've got, obviously, Stark, who swings the ball um, more than the other two, but it's pretty – it's an unrelenting attack, isn't it, when they, they get into rhythm. Nathan Lyon there. So there's not going to be a lot of respite for the Indian batsmen. No, I wonder if they uh, – they might have a plan to try and, you know, attack Nathan Lyon, as, as good as he is. Um it's the only way that they can probably get our quicks under pressure and continue to keep them bowling more and more throughout the day. If they, if they actually let Nathan Lyon settle into 25 to 30 overs in the day and only go for 65, 70 runs, then that plays into Australia's hands, yeah. I would have thought. So, so they've got the skill to be able to, you know, to, to smoke it if they want. Um, yeah, Murali Vijay, if he steps it up, if he gets going, he can dominate spin. We know Virat is, is extremely talented. Rahana is a good player against spin. So it'd have to be a tactic which they would have talked about for sure. Well, it's actually Josh Hazelwood was interviewed, and I like his quotes here. You know, generally their top order like to score freely, and, and a number of them um, do that, but they also take risks. Which which can bring rewards, but obviously can can lead to your dismissals as well. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's it's possibly something which the Aussies will try. He also said that they're going to try and mix it up a little bit, whatever that means. That 
you can tell me a little bit more about that, but it seems to be a little bit more uh, a bouncer here and there, the odd slow ball, a Yorker, a couple of good on, you know, a couple of good length balls instead of just a consistent channel for well, a period thing, of time. The thing that I reckon's changed from from my era is teams tend to use the the boundary riders a lot more in Test match cricket. So um, they'll, they'll shore up. Um, you know, a square leg on the fence or a point on the fence. Whereas, um, so even if that you play, you bowl a bad ball or the player good shot, it only goes for one. So there's, there's more a wearing down process than, um, you know, probably when I was playing 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. Good call. Yep. So moving on from there, you're talking about the ball and conditions and we know that India during day test matches can reverse swing. And, and an article today has talked about the Australian ball managers. And they're the guys that are actually got to make sure that the ball's in the right condition and it doesn't get too banged up on both sides. And the, the guys that worked out that don't, who sweat the least, uh, Usman Khawaja and Aaron Finch. So they're right. the ball managers. And uh, thinking of my era, the guys that wouldn't be ball managers because they used to sweat a lot. Well, there's no way Mervyn Hughes would be allowed to touch the ball <laughs> until no it was nicely delivered and actually mid-on would actually put it in his hand. And the other one was Michael Kasperwich, the big Queensland fast bowler who's on the board of Cricket Australia I played a lot of subcontinent cricket with, with Casper, and um, there was a time in coaching, I think it was 40-degree heat, 100% immunity. I thought he was going to photosynthesize on the ground. He, colla- <laughs> he collapsed twice, and we had to cheer him off. But those two boys wouldn't be looking after the ball at all. But how important is it, Hodgie? Well, look, it's extremely important. And, um, you know, we've seen what happened in Cape Town to be able to get it to go reversed. You know, we went to extreme lengths to try and make that happen. In fact, it's called cheating. But <laughs> I think that, uh, yeah, look, for, for those that don't know, as a batsman, if the ball is not moving, it doesn't matter what sort of pace it is, unless it's extreme place, uh, pace like Sean Tate or Shoah Bakhtar or Brett Lee, um, it's, it's, it's straight. And happy you're able days. to deal with it. Yeah, it's, it's happy days. And anywhere up to probably 145, you can probably deal with as a batter. When that ball starts to move, it just becomes a completely different game. And, and only the strong survive because A, your scoring rate goes down and B, technically be, you become challenged. We, you, you know, we've all seen the, the, um, the past where the great Wasi Macram and, and, uh, Waka Yunus got the ball moving and, you know, became known for the in-swinging Yorker. Uh, that's an amazing skill to be able to have and also to del- deliver it. But what it does do is exploit the batsman. And if it doesn't get reversed or go reversed, then we'll see a lot of runs scored here this summer for sure. Yeah, and um, it's a nightmare for tailenders, reverse swing. You're coming in, they're bowling at their fastest um and the, and the quicks these days know how to hide it, so you can't see where the shiny side is. So I see that important for both teams. Uh, what about Usman Kawaja? He's lost 10 kilos since South Africa, and his quotes were, I just want to make sure that I was the best version of myself. One of my favourite athletes, LeBron James, does this as well as anyone. My question to you, Bradley, is who inspired you? away from the cricket world? Well, I'm, I'm struggling to 
find where that happens because isn't LeBron James about six foot eight and probably weighs about 150 kgs and yes. is built like a tank? Um, look, I like the way that Usman's gone. Um, I'd like to hear more about his training techniques actually because I thought he was a fairly he looked fairly strong and fairly fit last year in the last couple of years from what is that I Le- saw. LeBron or Usman? Well, Usman actually. So <laughs> it looks like he's. <laughs> I, look, I haven't seen him in his speedos uh, like Berendorf with his game day speedos on, yes. but I'd like to see it. Uh, and then I can judge. But he, look, it'd be interesting to see as he's obviously trimmed down. Um, 10 kilos is a lot, actually. So hopefully he can get the ball to the fence. That's well, one thing. He's like doing he did a lot against, of running. Against Pakistan, I, I think he'll lose a lot of weight over here over the summer. But, yeah, it's good just, you know, to find inspiration from anywhere. But, you know, it's good to see that, yeah. um, you know, 32 years of age, that he's losing weight, not putting it on. Well, that's, well, that's the problem. See, you know, I was, I was in awe of, you know, watching, um, you know, the Ashes during, you know, the 4X years and what was it, 1993, was that about it? Yeah. And, you know, I was inspired by Mark Taylor, David Baboon. So... You know, I thought those are the, the the people that I tried to aspire to be. So I continued on with the heavier side than the than the, the lighter side. But Usman's found something special there in LeBron James. But, yeah. but I, you, you, your nickname was Bunky. You were Chunky Bunky. Chunky Bunky. I didn't ever actually heard that one. I thought that was more like Jason Armberger. But yeah, I'll take it I anyway. Made that. I just made that up. Yeah, I know but, you just made yeah. that up. Okay. <laughs> Hey, hey, what about the Women's Big Bash League started last weekend at the Junction Oval? It was fantastic to see. Um, you know, a quick round of uh, wrap-up of the matches. The Scorchers beat the Hurricanes by six wickets. Three balls remaining, though, so that was quite tight. The Stars yeah. started with a win over the Sixers uh, by 16 yeah. balls. And, that, you know, there was a lot of big names in that game. Uh, the Strikers uh, beat the Heat on the Sunday. And uh, the Thunder... Beat the Renegades uh, pretty comfortably, really. Six wickets and 19 um, balls in hand. But I suppose besides some strong performances everywhere, uh, you know, it was the, the Melbourne Stars chasing that 166. You know, Elise Perry, Alyssa Healy, they put on 108, 165. But Lizelle Lee, the South African, I don't know if you saw her play. I watched it. She, she absolutely smoked Smashed them. 102. A hundred and two. And, you know, with um, three sixes, 16 boundaries, strike rate of 182, if if that's her standard, she's going to rip up the women's BBL this year. It was amazing. She just reminded me exactly of Aaron Finch, actually, just at the top of the order and just throwing the kitchen sink at it and not miss hitting a ball either. She absolutely smoked it everywhere. Um, And I couldn't believe it. And I I was kind of watching... And, you know, those girls who had just come back from winning the World Cup must have been going, what's going on here? You know, (laughs) we are the champions. This should just be a walk in the park for us. Perry Healy Gardner. I mean, how hard hard could it possibly be? And she just comes out and absolutely pants this ball everywhere. And and they do it in a canter in the end, actually. No, it was was good to see. And and, and just another appreciation of... um, the women's cricket's power as well. Um, it wasn't just, um, you know, Devine was hitting sixes early on. Um, and, for, and for the stars, Holly Furling, you know, fast ball, she's had some stress fractures uh, problems. She's come down from the Brisbane Heat. So 
She knocked over Ash Gardner for a duck. So um, good signs for the Melbourne Stars. But I thought it was a great way to start the, the tournament, really. And, you know, um, eight teams playing. And, um, you know, good little crowds there, good coverage. So, um, you know, we'll keep in touch on that. As yeah, I, I really liked it, mate. Hey, Hodgie, we, we've come up with a new segment too because you, you've been getting a few tweets about some amazing things that have happened on the field. So the segment is, I thought I'd seen everything on the cricket field, blah, blah, blah. Now, I've got some cricket-related ones during the week. Um, what about Matty Renshaw, club game, 345? And the <laughs> I just think, how do you score that in one day in club cricket? And the, and the worst thing is, it's only in the top 10 highest club scores of all time. There's been guys no who've scored 500s, you know, before the um, turn of the century. The most recent one was Shannon Tubb. Remember the Tasmanian? Yeah, Tubby, yeah, yeah. He bought some left-arm Chinamans as well. Yeah, he slogged 300 a few years ago. But um, it's funny when Matty scores that 300, people are going, he should be in the first test team. You know, I think... Runs at shield level are a little bit more important, but we've talked about the the importance of great cricket, and Matty, we dip our hats to you to go back and punch out a score like that. Well done. And where was he playing? What postage stamp was he playing on to be able to deliver that? Well, I think they're all pretty small up in Queensland. I remember playing under-19s up there. Well, that's a long time ago now, but they weren't like the big cricket footy grounds that you play in... um, here in, in Melbourne. So they are generally a bit smaller. And the other one, just um, in cricket, just below that, in the, the Australian under-19 champs are going, and New South Wales Metro captain Ollie Davies scored a 200, but there were 17 sixes, including six in one over. Mm. I did have a look at this on the uh, on the Cricket Australia website, and I just saw him plant... Yeah, there was a young offspin. A few slugs, yeah. Jackie Jones, Jack um, Jones. <laughs> Absolutely smoked, slogged him everywhere over the boundary. So, I mean, as a young kid, that must be just a phenomenal feeling to be able to blast, you know, six, 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 six and be able to get there and get 36 off, off and over. Right. What a been a great feeling. I, I feel horribly poor for the bowler. There's nothing worse. Um, I don't know. I would have at least try and bowl a wide or something like that just to get out there, bowl a wide cut shot, poor kid. But he'll remember that for a long time. But it was a serious knock. I mean, uh, to go out there and smash 200 and smoke them everywhere is amazing. Okay, Hodgie, what have you got? I thought I'd never see it. And well, okay, so I was, I was, I was down at the um, uh, cricket just, just a couple of weeks ago and I was speaking to a guy from Hampton Central and he was telling me how he got... He got bitten by a fellow player on the field. So there was a bit of an altercation. I didn't believe it anyway. He whipped up his, his, his jeans and he showed me the, the chunk of flesh missing from his car. No muscle. way. Yeah, and I couldn't believe it. Anyway, the guy I was, spe- I was talking to on the other side of me says, well, you wouldn't believe this, but a week before... Uh, Hampton Central play against, I think it was Bentley, and it was in the third or fourth grade. Anyway, a guy had a dash at one, it's gone straight up in the air, and the keeper's run after it. Anyway, halfway between keeper, the keeper running after it, his leg's fallen off. <laughs> so he's, a, he's an amputee, oh, and he's wow. wicket keeping. No one ever knew it. He was obviously been keeping really, really well. Yeah. And he'd gone for catch, and his, and his prosthetic limb had fallen off. So they're going, 
I've gone, oh my God, anyway. So did, he take, did he take the catch still? <laughs> I don't think he did no, take the okay. catch, actually. But um, look, I thought it was one of them things which I thought, you know, things on the cricket field in which we've never seen before was, was really, really interesting. There was uh, Lewis Oliver. Who's <laughs> Lewis, Lewis, Lewis Oliver, he said that <laughs> I once played in a third 11 game in which the wife of one of our players pulled up in the car park and shouted to him that if he didn't come and get in the car, their marriage was over. We filled it with 10 for the last 30 overs of the day. <laughs> um, nah, never Lewis, seen that before. <laughs> nah, never seen that before. So, well on, Lewis. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, there's many, many things which happen you know, on the cricket field uh, that are completely random. And uh, I want to see more of this sort of stuff because I think that you know, we hear about it, um, but we don't know the truth to it. So I think that's really cool. It's one thing that I, we're just going to try and look out for, the things on the cricket field which we all think we know about, but we need to hear more about it. And keep the so, suggestions in. I think you got you got that one from Nick Quinn. Which one was Nick Quinn? Come out which after tea he... against the Saints, so it's district cricket, and the captain bowled an apple because we couldn't oh, get yes. a wicket. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think that's been done a few times, I reckon, uh, in uh, in the world of cricket. I once played with, um, uh, for Leicestershire, uh, Philip De Freitas actually pulled, just pulled a new ball out of his pocket and walked out after lunch and started bowling with it. And the umpires didn't even pull him up. The opposition were none for 200. Anyway, he got pulled a new ball out of his pocket and just started bowling with it and took five for 20. How's that? <laughs> Unbelievable. So, look, that's uh, it's something we'll muck around with, just a, a new segment that if anyone's got anything that they want to report, that'd be pretty cool, actually. Yep, that, very good. Get them in there. So that's the new segment. But moving on here, this is the reason, well, this is the segment why all the celebrities around the world, they're tweeting less, they're Facebooking a lot less, Instagram, they're getting off it. I think it's the reason that Snapchat basically died because it's the Brad Hodge Social Media Self-Promoter Award. Who have you got this week? Righto, Flem. There's a couple of uh, couple of high-profile dudes that have made their way into the into the reckoning again. Well, just quickly, start... Hodgie, in the top five at the moment is Michael Clark, Shane Warne, um, The Shark, obviously, and, yep. and, and, and the most improved, uh, Chris Gale, of course, but most improved for this year is, is Mitchell Johnson. So expecting some votes for them. Who have you got? Okay, so first off, I've got Kevin Peterson. Ooh, and, yeah. and, and this was dobbed in by Nathan Wakefield, actually. So well done, Nathan. Uh, it's goodbye at Apple support. I've tried your earpods twice and both times they've failed. At Boast to the rescue. Very very smart marketing by Boast. They had these pods as replacement for the Apple ones in 48 hours to me. Yeah. Well done, KP. Um, what, well, how much would he have paid for those? Well, zero. That's okay. the reason. We know that why. A, he was probably getting sponsored by Apple support and the Boast have quickly come in and gone, KP, we'll, uh, we'll look after you, big dog, no problem. Boom. So, good one, KP. That's a little one for you. Uh, this one I absolutely love, and it's Andre Russell. After competing in Dubai for the T10 tournament, which, God help us all, no one ever actually knew that this tournament was on. Um, I don't know if you followed it, Flem, but I had no idea no. it was actually even on. Uh, 
But it's got here a picture of himself. High strike rate, Andre Russell, 272.34. And it's just gone, hmm, I'm not surprised. Uh, so I think that's just a, it's a pat on the back for himself. Andre it's a self-promotion. It is a self-promotion. It's well, it's brilliant. Uh, it's it doesn't hold anything back, other than he thinks that he's the biggest legend in the world. So good on you, Andre Russell, two seventy-four. I thought you actually could have done better than two seventy-two and got up to three hundred. I mean, it's T ten. Stop wasting time. Uh, but good stuff. Uh, guess who's back here? Um, Not Sharks. The ex-captain of Australia. No, oh, Sharks huh? been very quiet actually. I'll tell you what, Sharks. Uh, Sharks, unfortunately. He's gone missing after his good friend, uh, uh, Mr. Bush, passed away during the week. So he yeah. was posting a lot of uh, photos with the ex-president, but I didn't feel it was the right thing to have a crack no. at the shark for that. No. I mean, I don't... I don't hang around with presidents myself, but it was probably a bit of self-promotion. But in the good spirit of it all, I let it slip. Respect, yes. Uh, this one is Michael Clark. Uh Great morning with at Selvos AU at Kmart Oz. Hashtag Kmart wishing tree appeal. Please give generously this Christmas. Uh, well done, Michael. Well, look, we love the fact that you are uh, promoting that. Yes. If you actually see the photo, there's actually no one in the store. There's not one person in the store. So... No one, no, one, no one. What do you mean? Just besides him and the and the staff. Him, his his daughter and his wife. Okay. So all that says to me is that is you've hooked up with Kmart. It's you're getting paid for it. It's a deal, even though it's a charity event. Well done, Michael. But I'm no, on to you, buddy. We know exactly. We know exactly what you're doing. This one was a beauty. Uh, our next nomination is James Brayshaw, Ooh. and uh, this is James Brayshaw. Uh, a photo with him holding a snapper out in the bay. Look at me go. Shoot for an upcoming episode of Cricket to Coast with Rexy's son, Maddie and host Scott. Look at the snapper Jim landed. Hashtag massive. Hashtag fishing. Hashtag Jim the man. <laughs> hashtag unluckiest fish in the bay at fishing services at Cricket to Coast. I've lost now, that's as in. good a self-promotion I've ever seen. And I'll tell you why, Flem, because I was sitting with Jim uh, in Channel 7 when we had to go in there the other day, and he was saying how how he was so reluctant to go on this coast-to-coast fishing and to get it out there and catch a fish and get some promotion in there, Jim, was absolutely amazing. So, uh, Bray, you've, you've gone to a new level there. Thanks, so man. that's uh, some quality votes there. And, the last one, of course, is a person that just continues to disappoint me in the in the social world, actually. And that's our fast bowler friend, Mitchell Johnson. Oh, no. And uh, we've, I'm not sure if anyone's getting through to Mitchell, but we've spoken <laughs> you know, recently about you know how tough he is, how aggressive he is, and how we want to see our premier fast bowler run in and be tough and, and throw bounces down and stuff but Mitchell Johnson to celebrate the launch of my new collection or of my new 398 collection with Kinner Apparel blah 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 you can win a signed t-shirt a signed Mitchell Johnson t-shirt now there's a photo of Mitchell just standing there in a t-shirt but the problem that we have 
is that this this promotion of 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 apparel yeah. is really bad. The fact that it is a three nine eight collection, which is your test number, yeah, we don't need to do that. We know you. There's a lot of references. You. There's a you know photo. There's a chance to get it cheaper. There's just everything to celebrate the launch. Oh yeah, I didn't mention that there was the thirty percent off as well, twenty five percent off as well. Yeah. No, you picked that up well. Thanks for that. Well, but, I, yeah, I, I'm going to add 30% votes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it's um, so time for me, so get into it, hop into it, whoever you want to rip into, Flip. So, mate, I'm going to go three, two votes to Pup, just just the one, you know, Kmart. Um, three votes to KP and, and Dre Russ, just outstanding self-promotion. Um, KP's was product promotion. Five to, to James Brayshaw. You know, yeah, you know, James the man, you know, that hashtag alone was worth that. And then uh, I was going to give five, 30% more. I don't even know if that works out. Eight votes to, to Mitchell Johnson because this is starting to become a trend. And, and, and we thought the shark was naturally going to back to back in the social media self-promoter award. He did say it was like winning a third major last year. He was trying to get to his fourth major, but... Is Mitchell Johnson the Sharks' biggest threat to going back-to-back this year? I feel it's going to be a race between KP, Mitchell Johnson and Michael Clark. Oh, I've got a feeling Puff Sharks will get heavy over the summer. Yeah. Oh, I, just, yeah, I think he's fading at the moment. So, you know, whether he's on holidays or not, I'm not sure. But normally when he's on holidays, he's nude and he's promoting himself in that sense. So it's just a quiet patch. He's going through the trough. The, uh, the shark, but I think he'll bounce back. Oh, no. He'll bounce back for sure. Yeah, you don't win the, the, the Bradley Hodge Social Media Self-Promoter Award unless you're a gun. Well done, Hodgie. Yeah, cheers, Flip. Can I just... There's one that actually... I want to just uh, point out to Cam Allen, which was... This is a bit of self-promotion for him. He's not a superstar or legend cricketer or you know, any, uh, any sort of uh, legend. But Cam Allen was one of our, our listeners in Switzerland, Flem. Yes. So I just thought he, he sent a picture of himself in the nets with his two other listeners in Switzerland. So I thought that was pretty cool. It looked that cold, it's not funny. It didn't look like cricket weather. But for Cam, who is there in Switzerland, well done. Good job. Uh, like it a lot. Yeah, we'll give you an update of our Switzerland listeners at the end of the program. Coming up now, it's the uh, retrospective book review. And I sent out that the two options were Gloves of Irony, Irony by Rod Backus Marsh. And the other one was Lambs to Slaughter by Graham Wally Yallop. And the winner with more votes is Lambs to Slaughter by Graham Yallop. And I'm happy with that because we know uh, Bacchus, he's got about eight books, so I can work my way through this. But I'm not sure if you're aware of um, Graham Yallop. He actually, uh, you know, played a lot of cricket for Australia Victoria. He was actually my club coach at South Melbourne for two years. But this is the background of the book, uh, Bradley. This book that created a sensation was six weeks after the 1978-79 Ashes series where Graham Yallop um, documents the whole test series. Yallop was in charge uh, of a 5-1 loss to England. He was the third youngest Australian captain of all time. He made 121 out of 198 in the sixth test, Hodgie. But he lost the captaincy at the end of the summer in a shock announcement. 
and he re- and he wrote the book six weeks later. So imagine that happening now. Amazing. So the highlights for me were as I quickly, if if everyone can just turn to page one, and this um, chapter is called Sat, and he says, "I was captain of my country, and a lifelong dream was a reality. But just a few uh, turbulent months later, that dream was shattered in a night nightmare summer." I captained seven tests, we lost six, and I was sacked. But what really irked me, Hodgie, was that in effect we were lambs to slaughter anyway. We had 50 tests between us experience in the first test match. England had 300. What's worse, the wicket suited the Englishmen. They were alien to us. We caught the bad end of the umpiring decisions and the media absolutely crucified us. Okay, so that's the start sack. But the chapter I want you to go to, Hodgie, if you've got the book at home, is chapter seven. And I'll just get it, yep. And it's called Hog on the Spit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the series where Rodney Hogg, our, our favourite here at the Biology Report, took 41 wickets at 12. But he talks about Hoggy here. Rodney Hogg ran, ran rampant through the English batsmen during the series, and unfortunately, he tried on several several occasions to ride roughshod over me. Our differences of opinion came within an over of England in the first innings of the first test, Hodge. Wow. Hoggy took it upon himself to change the field placings without consulting me. I'd never experienced anything like this before. And I was just open mouthed in, in astonishment. I immediately had a chat with him and suggested that we work out the field placements together. He agreed in principle. Gallup says here, um, but Hogg went back to changing the fields. And I will not buckle to the bowler's request. So we started off the wrong foot again. A few minutes later, he shocked me again. After only three overs, he walked up to me and said he was tired and wouldn't be bowling the next over. No way. He didn't ask if we needed another over from him. He simply, <laughs> I threw the ball to him and he threw the ball back to me. <laughs> and at this stage, he had two for none. And Hoggy felt like he needed a breather. I stood there in disbelief. This went on throughout the series, so much so to the Adelaide fifth test was the site for the big showdown in what become known as Yallop Hog Affair. There was no love affair, and in fact, there was plenty of heated words exchanged on and off the field. At one stage, Hogg suggested that we survey the back of the Adelaide Oval, and I don't think he had a tennis match in mind. Is this the sort of team spirit that Justin Langer needs to bring back to the Australian team? I think that's spot on. I, in fact... Um, a little bit of friction. Maybe a little bit of go back out. The, the Adelaide um, tennis courts aren't there at the nets now, but they could go out near, back the back of the marquees and sort out their differences there. Yeah, well, maybe... Well, that's the best place to be during the Adelaide test is in the marquee there. It's a great spot. Yep, so... Yeah, we are, so lambs to slaughter, make sure you get it. The recommended retail price was $9.95. Hodgie, if you could get that for less than $1,000 these days, good yeah. luck. I'm, I'm intrigued by that. You actually, like, I've not heard that story, but it's great because 
Who's actually in control of setting the fields anyway? Have you got the bullish captain who wants to set the field or a bowler who thinks he knows best? What's the deal? Where would you go? What well, order Mark Taylor did that to you? Oh, no, I, I, I just let Tubby do what he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he didn't go into it there, but the story goes in Adelaide. Um, he had trouble getting Hogg to, to set a field because he had two for none and he looked for Hoggy and Hoggy was already in the dressing rooms. <laughs> and he sent the 12th man up there and Hoggy come back with, sorry, I've got asthma. <laughs> that was it. But $1,000 for that. And um, we, uh, Paul Richards, he said he had a signed copy. It's a good read and Yallop doesn't hold back. And that actually is a good review of Lambs to Slaughter. Hey, mate, that's it. For the biology report, just an update on our Switzerland listeners. They didn't quite get to the top 10, so there was only about a dozen of them. But we, we appreciate the support. Keep going uh, in there. I've got a little shout out this week to our Venuatu listeners. We've only got one. One. And I'm wondering whether that one listener is their coach. And he's a man that... Uh, actually played for him in the 2018 ICC World League Division 4 tournament in Malaysia. He was the leading run score with 164 runs in five games. It was It's Shane Dietz. Shane Dietz from South Australia? From South Australia. He was he was known as Disco Dietz every time we went over there because I think uh, oh, Darren yeah. Berry, who was pretty hardcore in you know digging up facts and figures about anyone's past history, I think Shane was known to get out to the club every now and then, and Chuck, you know, often had a hatred for the uh, opposition wicketkeeper and called him Disco Deets, and it just stuck there. So we were, we we didn't even know his first name. All we knew him was Disco Deets. Disco Deets. That's awesome. I think yeah, he, he often moved up to that, that. But when you said Darren Berry often um, used to put a bit of a slight to the opposition wicketkeeper, I would have thought always. Yeah, always actually. Always yeah, just do a little bit correct. about it. But Deets, he, he made he made a hundred against us at the, at the Adelaide, uh, sorry MCG one day. I think it's the slowest hundred ever made at the MCG. So he might have been disco off the field, but not on it. But um, good luck to Deetsy over there, and and good luck to the Aussies. Let's yeah, hundred percent. Love them to win this be... Test series, and I've heard a little rumor, mate, that uh, they might be changing up the national anthems, and instead they're going to play. The people that are going to take us out of this biology report, a little bit of six and out.